Good morning, I'm Marian from Cottage Hill Church. Hope you're all doing great during this time of lockdown and being together. Uh, hoping you're finding uh, creative ways to be together, like on uh, with all this technology, like this video, Zoom on Wednesday evenings and our daily prayer time. Zoom last Wednesday was particularly fun. We were laughing for the first five or 10 minutes, just uh, sharing little tidbits that are going on in our lives and being together as a family. So it'll be all the much sweeter when we see each other again soon, we hope. There's a comment section on the bottom of this page, so you can let us know if you need any prayer or anything that, you know, maybe we can help you with. We hope you are continuing to donate as well to Cottage Hill Church. We've got to keep all those ministries going and those missions supported as we go through this time. So through the Cottage Hill website, it's just easy to follow the prompts and donate. Um, next, we're just going to have up is uh, Jen and uh, Gavin singing to us all the way from Hawaii and uh, starting off our service. And uh, hey, I got to go because uh, I have to play with this keyboard and uh, let Dan and Victor know that I've got it rearranged for them. Good morning, Cottage Hill Church. We're so excited to be with you this morning as we get to worship the Lord with you in more than just one song. Praise the Lord. Uh, so let's get started and let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning that you've given us, Lord, another day to, to live, God, another day to um, get to know you more, God. Um, I just pray that you would bless this time of worship, Lord, um, that you would just prepare our hearts for the message that's going to be um, spoken, Lord. I pray over everyone right now as, as we're just home and, and staying safe, Lord. I pray a hedge of protection over everyone, Lord all over the world, God, because the whole world is going through this. It's just crazy how we can bond over that. So, God, give us strength. Give us hope in this time. Uh, yeah, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
your holy name. You're the one above it all. You're the one in control of everything, all the way down to each individual cell, um, you know, that could be contaminated with this virus. But Lord, praise you because we have hope because of you. We just celebrated this past week and the whole world celebrated. Um, even our president announced that Easter is a day to celebrate the work that you've done for us on the cross that we couldn't have done on our own. So as we continue to worship you, Lord, I pray that you just, um, just teach us how to do that, Lord. Teach us how to worship in spirit and truth. Allow your Holy Spirit to just guide us. Um, yeah, Lord, and just teach us more about who you are.
amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved. An alcoholic. Failure. Agnostic. Partier. Liar. Drug addict. A wretch. Like me. I once was broken. Resentful. Helpless. Depressed. Out of control. Abandoned. Selfish. Self-destructive. Angry. Confused. Just lost. But now. I'm sober. Happy. Peaceful. Grateful. Free. Alive. Forgiven. I'm found. I was blind. To God. To faith. To love. Pero ahora, yo veo. I see that I matter. I see past my problems. I see my savior. I see grace. Amazing grace. Hey, thanks so much for joining us here at Cottage Hill Church's online worship. Whether you're coming back or you're watching for the first time, we're really glad you're with us. I'm Jeff Chandler. I'm one of the pastors here at Cottage Hill Church. I want to be unpacking a little bit out of John chapter 20. If you want to turn there in your Bible or your device, I'll be in John chapter 20 a little bit earlier on. It's a lot of hilarious memes during this time, during this quarantine time. A bunch of those memes have to do with how you introverts are loving this time of being shut in and away from people. You're just thriving on that, where extroverts like me are finding that a little bit more of, more of a challenge. When we meet the disciples in John chapter 20, it's like they're in quarantine. They're in a room and they are not going out. They're not planning to go out anywhere. It's like they're a bunch of spiritual introverts. Although that's an oxymoron. You cannot be a spiritual introvert. You can't be a follower of Jesus and want to be by yourself away from people. It doesn't happen. And so, so they're locked in this room. And one of the things that we're going to find Jesus encounter is he's going to come to a moment like this when, when you're stuck and you're not where you're supposed to be. That's kind of what we want to look to and speak to this morning out of this moment with the disciples. What does Jesus do when you're stuck? and you're not where you're supposed to be. Maybe that described you before this whole virus thing swept. Maybe that's this season of your life, or maybe for some of you, you feel like that is your whole life. And others of you just feel like this quarantine season has just bogged you down. Maybe you felt like you'd have more time with family, more time to think, more time to read, and you just feel like you're, you're stuck, and you're not even sure where you're supposed to be. So we want to see Jesus come in and, and enter into that moment. So. 
John chapter 20. Let me read, let me read these verses. I'm going to start in uh, verse 19. John 20, 19 says, On the evening of the first day, on the evening of that day, that is, Sunday morning, it's it's resurrection day. You're about 12 hours, probably after the Jesus had appeared to the women. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed onto them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, unless I see in his hands the mark of his nails, and place my finger in the mark of those nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Well, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Let me just pray a minute before we unpack this a little bit. Father, you don't put you haven't put together this Bible just to have random stories together. You've put these things in the Bible as truth so that we would know what Jesus was like, what he did, and what there is for us. And so speak to us. You know where each of our lives is. Speak to us through your word that's living and active so that we might be believe like Jesus calls us to believe, and then we might be serving as Jesus calls us to serve. We pray that in his name. Amen. Oh, when you're stuck and when you're not supposed to be like, like those men. Well, in those moments, Jesus knows where you are and why you're there. He knows, he knows where they are. He hasn't spent the whole day looking for them. He doesn't come into the room and say, where have you guys been? I, I looked all day for you. He, he knows exactly where they are, and he shows up in, in that spot. As you read through the Gospels, you just find that's what Jesus does. He shows up where he's supposed to be at just the right time. He shows up in this little town of Nain, just as this funeral procession is going out of this widow whose only son, her, her would be her provider, has just died and he's going out. Jesus shows up just at that time. He goes to another town just when Zacchaeus is there to see him, to climb a tree and to catch hold of him. He knows where we are. You are never off of his radar. There's nowhere that he won't go to find you. He talks about the shepherd going after the sheep, always going to find where we are. A couple weeks ago, I might have mentioned that moment in the prophet Elijah's life. Elijah's checked in, and he's just checked out, and he's running from God, and he goes to the spot, and, and God shows up to him and says, Elijah, why are you here? What are you doing? You know, he knows where you are, and he knows the why. In fact, he knows the why's better than we know the why's. 
I'm struggling because we try to fill in that blank. Or even sometimes we we're honest enough to say to friends or family, I don't even know why I'm struggling. I don't know what's behind this. When Jesus steps into that room, he's in that room because he knows that's where they are. And he knows exactly why they're there. Well, when he comes into a room, wherever that is, or whyever people are there, he shows up with peace. He, no matter what the situation is, he can show up with peace. You hear him say that three times in this passage, don't you? He shows up and he says, you know, peace, peace be with you. And then they're going to check out his wounds. He's going to say it again, peace be with you. And when he shows up a week later, he's going to say with Thomas in, in the room, peace be with you. When he arrives, he brings peace. He doesn't show up and say, why don't you guys believe? He doesn't show up frustrated. He doesn't show up angry, although there are times God is frustrated with us. There's times he is angry with us when, we're, when we stay in disobedience, when we resist him and resist him. That does frustrate the God of heaven. He does get it. It does grieve the spirit. He does have to push back against us to try to overpower that and get, get his work going again in our lives. In this moment, he shows up with peace. You can't lock him out. You can't lock him out of a room. You can't lock him out of your life. And when he says peace, that's really the most important need any person has. Not just peace, quietness, things to calm down, your circumstances to settle, and the chaos to end. It's the peace that you need with God. See, Scripture looks at us whenever we do things that are wrong, whenever we do things that are contrary to who God is or what God is about. That puts us on the opposite side of God. In fact, Romans 5 will talk to us as being enemies of his when we're, when we're living like that or before we've come to faith in Jesus. That's why Romans 5 can talk about the peace that we have. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important peace any of us need. That's the most important peace any of us have. 375 times the Bible's going to use the word peace. It's just going to keep appearing of what God's trying to bring into our life, what our greatest need is. This time of virus, your greatest need is not peace in the circumstances, peace about your finances, peace about your health. The starting point has got to be to be at peace with God because then the peace of God can flood into you. Peace with him so you can experience the peace of him, the peace alongside of being in a relationship with him in those ways. Peace isn't something you can work up. We can distract ourselves. I'm not going to think about that anymore. Uh, maybe I'm going to do some yoga. Maybe I'm going to meditate. Maybe I'm going to all these things that we do to try to kind of take our mind off things or, or distract ourselves. We're going to kind of try to come up with solutions or some of our stories include addictions that were ways of numbing us so that we would be able to, at least in a numb state, experience some kind of peace. You cannot work up peace. Just receive it. That's why Jesus comes and he just talks about peace. He's got peace that flows from him into us. The night before he dies in that upper room with the disciples, he, he talks about that when he shows up with peace. He says that night before, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And so let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. See, there's a peace that he gives. he gives. He gives it to you. It's my peace. It's the peace that allowed him to, to be at rest and, and in control the night before the cross, the day of the cross, and ever, and ever since then. 
this isn't just about the resurrection that, 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 that's going on. This isn't just about the fear of the resurrection or doubt about the resurrection. This is fear that they had. He brings peace because they are terrified. They are in that room, it says, for fear of the Jews. That phrase, the Jews, is used through John of the religious leaders who were constantly opposing Jesus. They started in the gospel opposing John the Baptist, and then they just kept rolling that out to opposing Jesus. They were afraid. But they weren't afraid uh, so much of just the Jews catching them. Spread that out a little bit. What their fear really was, was what this might cost them. On the other side of that door was what is following Jesus openly going to cost us? It could cost us our life. If the Jews get a hold of us, they might crucify us like they did him. It could cost us being humiliated in front of people. We could come out, nobody believes this. Whatever that is, the fear is, what's it going to cost me? One of the things that strikes me and impresses me about the Lord Jesus, he was very upfront all through his life, training those, those disciples, those 12 and 70, the larger group that followed him. He was always very upfront about what this was going to cost. If you don't lay down your life, if you don't lay your claim down to your life and the way you want to live it and follow me, you're not really my disciple. If you want to save your life, you're going to lose your life. So the cost has already been established that when it became a follower of Jesus, I handed him my life and gave it to him. And so the cost, the biggest cost that we all wrestle with is here in America is not what might happen. It's the cost of being in control of my own life. It's the cost of living openly as a follower of Jesus. The people around you should know that, that that's the most important thing in your life, that you live as a follower of Jesus. What does it cost you time-wise to serve him, to be involved in it, to be involved in a church? What's keeping you in that locked room? Well, it's a fear what's on the other side. For some of you, it's, it's your story, it's your past that keeps you locked in there. I've been wounded, I'm not going back out there because I know the cost of what's out there. I, I'm just been, I failed so many times. I'm just living a defeated life. I, I don't even want to believe there's victory on the other side of that, on the other side of the door. So I'm staying in here. Or some of you are just so proud. We wrestle with pride, don't we? I can do this. Isn't that kind of flowing out of some of our country? We will beat this virus. And we need to call on the name of the Lord to give wisdom to beat this virus. You're proud, you can handle life. You know what life's about. You're, you're doing really well, that, so you're just gonna stay where you are. That's, that's pride, that will keep you in there. Insecurity, you know, I don't really think I have what it takes. You don't really know me. You don't know the things I struggle with. You don't know my personality. I'm just gonna stay right in here. Boy, Jesus comes to bring peace to fear because when fear is overcome by peace, you can go outside that door which is what Jesus' intent is. He doesn't show up just to put everybody at ease and enable everybody to sleep good at night. He shows up to send us out. See, wherever you are and whyever you're there, Jesus shows up to send you out. That's what he does to these men. He comes into the room and he, he talks to them about, about what the next part of the mission is. He says to them, you know, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Present tense. Here you go. Here you go, guys. Here I am. Father sent me. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm handing this thing now over to you. 
It's not just about peace. If it was just about peace, that would be incredibly selfish, wouldn't it? Oh good, Jesus has given me peace. I can live calmly. I can go through the life, life and, and enjoy it and things will be in control. That's, that's incredibly self-centered. I had a teacher that said one time, a life that's wrapped up in itself makes a very small package. And that's true. He has come to send us out, to send them out. I'll meet them in Galilee. What are you guys doing here? Why are we still in this locked room? You've been sent. That's going to be a key thread word through the Gospel of John. Who was sent? I'm sending. Starts early on in John when when Jesus says there came, or John will write, he said, there came a man sent from God known as John, John the baptizer. And then Jesus will talk about just being living constantly with the aware that he's been, he's been sent by God. He says in John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, lives with that, and to accomplish his work. And then he speaks to us. He says, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent, that you would believe in Jesus who God the Father has sent. So he lived with this constant awareness that he'd been sent for a mission. And now he's passing that mission over. It's transferring from him to us. And, and to enable them to do that, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. So you have, I've been sent, I'm sending you, here's the Holy Spirit to empower you. I believe this is a bridge that Jesus is giving of the Holy Spirit from then until Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes in final form and comes to dwell in every believer from, from that moment. It's an empowering. And I wanna to speak to that for a moment because I, I believe there's some incorrect teaching that brings confusion or people wrestle with not having everything that they're supposed to have. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit at, the, at that very moment and all that the Holy Spirit has for you comes into your life. There's some who teach that, no, at the moment of salvation, you get the Holy Spirit. But later on, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes, and, and some would say that when you speak in tongues, that's evidence that this has happened in your life. They would speak to these verses and say, this is when the, the disciples were saved. And then in Acts chapter 2 was the second baptism, when, there, when power came on them for the work. The problem, one of the problems, I think I see several problems with that, but one of them is here in John 16, it's for power on both sides of this. I am sending you. Here's the Holy Spirit. And now, if you see, if you see confession, you know, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness of many, there it's withheld from them. This is ministry. This is witnessing on both sides of this breathing of the Holy Spirit. So this is for power. It's it's not a salvation moment. It's if you've come to Jesus, you have everything. Our wrestling, as they say, is make sure He has He has all of us. See, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he's come to take you out of the room that you've locked yourself in and to get you in place for the mission. He has a place for you in this kingdom work that he's doing. He has a role for you in helping people come to faith in Jesus and having people grow in their faith in Jesus. And he needs to get you out of that locked room that it's so easy for us to live in because of failure, because of fear, because of expectations, high expectations or low expectations. <laughs> He's come in to take you out of that room. When Jesus comes into the room, he doesn't sit down and have 11 interviews with disciples about, now why, why is this hard for you? And 
how do you feel about going out? No, he just gives them the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowers them and fills them and enables them to go out into whatever he has, he has for them. He sends them with this message. It can be kind of confusing when you read that and depending on your background, that is he giving these men the right to forgive sins? No, he's giving them the right to recognize when people have put their faith in Jesus. When you put your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, when you put your faith in him as savior of the world, your sins are forgiven. That's what the gospel would be called in Luke 24 in the resurrection chapter in Luke, it says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. The heart of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins, that Jesus died and rose again for our sins. That's what we saw last week in 1 Corinthians 15. So Jesus isn't giving the, these 11 apostles exclusive power and authority to forgive sin. I have the right to, I have the right to live out this verse. If you tell me that you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you repented and you're following him now, I can tell you, hey, then you are forgiven. I'm just acknowledging what the gospel does. I'm not taking authority as special authority to, to forgive you. I'm just recognizing what the gospel does. And that's the power that he given to them. See, Jesus will meet you wherever you are and why are you there? But he's always gonna send you out into what he's trying to do. And, and then you get this hiccup moment. This moment, it's almost like whiplash in the story. And, and you see in this that your who is going to affect your what and your why. See, who you're with, that's gonna affect your what you're doing and, and why you're there or not there. You got this great moment. The apostles are so glad to see Jesus. And, and can you imagine that moment when Thomas comes? Thomas, you missed it, it was awesome. Jesus came, we saw his wounds, he was alive, he's healthy, it's just like everybody said. And then Thomas says, yeah, I don't believe it. It just brings this moment to a screeching halt. We've all had those moments when we're so excited and then somebody just pulls the emergency brake on us and we all launch out of there. We've all had moments and we all know people who live with this phrase, but unless, but unless I see him myself, but unless I touch those hands, but unless my hand goes into that side, there's a lot of things Jesus Christ has wanted to do over the years that hasn't been done because we live in this, but unless, but unless it makes sense to me, but unless God provides, but ahead of time, but unless these things happen, but unless, wait, that can wipe, that can wipe faith right out of there. So Jesus shows up a week later. One writer says, Thomas missed a week of joy because he wouldn't believe. He's got five groups of witnesses there. Jesus appeared to Mary, then he appeared to the women, then 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, then he appeared to Peter, then he appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus, and then he appeared to these 10 disciples. But that wasn't enough for, for Thomas. See, some of you, you're watching, and maybe you're saying, I'm, I'm gonna give church a try, I'm gonna watch some messages, I'm gonna see what people have to say, and I'm gonna see whether I decide to believe this. But sometimes it doesn't matter what the evidence is. People just aren't going to believe. Isn't that what Thomas said? I will not believe. That's a choice. I will not believe. So I want to challenge you. There's plenty of evidence. But at some point it's going to be, can you humble yourself and acknowledge the fact that you need to be saved? That you're not good enough 
based on your own goodness or based on the work you're doing. You're not good enough to earn heaven. You're not good enough to become holy like God is and to enter that holy place. None of us is. There's going to be a point in time where you have the evidence and then you step on the evidence into faith. Not blind faith. It's, it's educated faith. But then there's that point where you just make a decision to trust. Well, Jesus shows up and, and he knows Thomas's doubts. He doesn't say, Thomas, where were you? He knows. He knows what our doubts are right away. And he says to him, here's my hands. And Thomas just says, my Lord and my God. He comes to that moment. You know, John will we'll conclude this chapter, his last couple things. Now, Jesus did many other signs, evidence, in the presence of the disciples, witnesses, which are not written in this book. But these things are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. That you come to a point where you believe. You believe and you trust him as salvation. You come out of that locked room of trying to strive with God. You believe him, you believe him as he sends you, and you come out of that locked room of yourself and who that is. You know, I know, I know a, a lot of believers who are locked in a room. A lot of people who you can just see how great they, they who, how great they are. You almost see more in them than they see in themselves. You see how much they have to offer the kingdom, but they stay locked in this room. I know a lot of doubters and a lot of people wrestling with God that just, that will not come out of that locked room. They will not believe that Jesus has opened things up. Remember, Jesus talked a lot about being free. These men, they believed. They believed. They took that moment and they believed. How do I know that? Because chapter 21 starts. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Where? By the Sea of Tiberias. Where are they? They're up in Galilee. Because they get out of that locked room. Were they still in danger by the Jews? Yeah. Was there still going to be a cost to pay? Sure was. Did that keep them locked in? Not anymore. They went out, and because they went out, they accomplished great things and had a great experience. Just like you and I, we move beyond that locked door. If we take the peace Jesus gives to us, and we allow him to send us and take our hands off, where it is going to send us, what it is he's going to ask us to do. Great things. In fact, he said greater things.
Hey, well, thanks for sharing this Sunday with us at Cottage Hill. We're, we hope we encourage you to find Jesus or to follow him better, especially to come out of that locked room that it's so easy to live with in. Hope you'll stay connected during the week with people. There's some opportunities, in fact, one coming up at 1115 where we just meet in a Zoom room and just catch up with each other for a while. If you email us at info at cottagehillchurch.com, we can get you that information Wednesday night we meet again. Prayer's a pretty big, pretty big deal to us, so we meet at seven o'clock. Thursday nights we have a road to recovery for people battling substance abuse that has continued to meet on Zoom, and we go through the Life Recovery Bible and see the twelve steps and how it pertains to the Word and and to your life. Always part of our role of following Jesus is to make our finances available to Him and to trust with Him, and so there's couple of different ways you can support the Cottage Hill ministry. I encourage you to do that if you're part of the family and just to see God continue to provide for your needs. Well, cultivating a body equipped with the word and empowered by prayer to make disciples that change the world. Got to get out of that locked room to do that. Hope you do. Hope you have a great week serving.